This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. I'm Sean Drozar. Sandy Clough is on my left. Danny Bailey's in the booth. Thank you for joining us. The Denver Broncos are 8-8 eight and eight and on the cusp, or at least having the opportunity to have their first winning season since the 2016 campaign in which they went 9-7, and seven, one year following the uh, Super Bowl 50 performance for the Broncos in which they won. That 2016 team commandeered for the most part, quarterback by Trevor Simeon and Sandy now at eight and eight with an opportunity to win this game and go to nine and seven and have your first winning season in a long time. Certainly that has value because the idea is you want that arrow pointing back up. And if you're the Broncos, you want to show up you're the new owners. If you're John Payton, you want to show, look, we're turning the Broncos around This team was, for a long time, one of the crown jewels of the NFL. It was a regular winner. And now they're on a a long streak of losing seasons. And if they were to lose to the Raiders, that streak will continue. But if it ends up with a win, I guess I look at it and think, given the circumstances, if Jared Stidham outduels Aiden O'Connell in a game that is meaningless for both teams... How much do you win or lose? How much do you gain in whatever prestige and value and whatever by winning that game? It's better than losing. Don't get me wrong. Anytime you play, you'd rather win than lose. If you'd, have, you'd rather have a winning season than a losing season. But does it really change the perspective of the Broncos? No. <laughs> the Broncos have been essentially for the last seven years, if you go by the 17-game regular season schedule that now exists. Yeah. You're talking about basically seven years. Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving 2016 through tomorrow. And And virtually every team has played either 119 or 120 games since that point. The Denver Broncos remain as they have been uh, virtually throughout that period of time, a little more than seven years, seven years and a month, I'd say. The Denver Broncos have remained one of the five worst teams in the NFL. And their hold on being only the fifth worst team in the NFL is precarious at best. The only team that is substantially worse than the Denver Broncos over this period of time is the New York Jets. The Broncos are 45 and 75. The Jets are 27 and 83. The other teams behind Denver, the other three teams, are Jacksonville, perhaps a playoff team this year, which the Broncos have not been since 2015, at 44 and 76, difference of one game. Carolina Panthers are 44 and 76, difference of one game. Uh, the New York Giants are 40-79-1, a difference of four and a half games. This is the company the Denver Broncos have been keeping, not for one year, not for two years, not for five years, for the better part of seven years now. A little more than that. 
that is for a team that within the last decade has won a Super Bowl is unimaginable. It has never happened in the Super Bowl era that any Super Bowl champion has been this bad in the following seven years. <laughs> seven years, right. Not, n- nobody. You know, I think of teams of my youth that fell on hard times after winning Super Bowls, especially the New York Jets, for whom I rooted probably a little harder than I did the Giants. <laughs> Giants are my father's team. Right. Uh, the Jets were the AFL and Joe Namath. The Jets made the playoffs the next year in an era in which in the final year of the American Football League, only four teams made the playoffs out of the American Football League. The Jets certainly weren't as good as they had been the year before, but they made the playoffs the following year. After that, yes, they fell apart. And it was a very long time before they had another winning season, much longer time than the string of Bronco losing season. But my point is that Sean Payton, who isn't a fan of history, apparently, unless it serves him, well, he can say whatever he wants. Being one of the five worst football teams in the NFL for the past seven years, it, it, you are to coin a phrase from his mentor. From his mentor, you are what that record says you are: forty-five and seventy-five. If you extrapolate that over seventeen games, that's six and eleven. Year after year after year after year. Sounds about you right. You get the point. Yeah. You're losing 10, 11 games every year. Now, this year they may only lose eight. They can't lose more than nine. I don't think the game on Sunday should change the fundamental outlook regarding the Broncos. And no less an authority than Shannon Sharp said after the loss to New England, that would have been about 10 days ago, mm-hmm. that the only benefit of the Broncos once again missing the playoffs, which even after the New England game was virtual certainty, the only benefit was that it would prevent the Broncos from deluding themselves into believing that they were back as a playoff contending Because in Shannon Sharp's mind, that was a complete illusion. It was delusional thinking to believe at any point this year that the Broncos were really a serious contender for the playoffs. Yes. And if they lose Sunday, they finish third. It's not last, but it's not much better than last. The Raiders finish ahead of them Mm -hmm. with Aiden O'Connell doing most of their quarterbacking throughout the 2023 season. That's and that, that's remarkable when you think about that. I mean, you're talking about he's been their primary quarterback. When you when you look at them at least the most time right in, in which is the starts have come along and the Broncos could finish behind that team. Can you believe that? Oh. In in a in a year in which wow. Once again, the AFC West has proven to be colossally overrated. Even uh, the first-place yeah. Chiefs are having, by their standards, a bad year. And the Chargers, again, and the Chargers, again, a, the ultimate, 
yeah. underachievers. The, the ultimate underachievers in the NFL is exactly right. The best record in that span of time, by the way, the, the Chiefs at the, with the 89 and 31 yes. record, 742. Right. The Ravens, 78 and 42, 650. So the gap between the Chiefs and everyone else in that last 120, 119 games has been pretty remarkable. Even, even with a bad year this year, they're going to win. They're still going to win ten the, or more games, right? And, and and I think that also illustrates the challenges that the Broncos have when you're talking about becoming a regular contender again. Because when you say contender, I mean, what are you really thinking about, right? Are, are you talking about Super Bowl contender? Are you talking about playoff contender? They aren't even that. Because, so. right, there are differences. They aren't even and a playoff I, contender. I think until you can seriously consider yourself in the vast majority of cases, and I get it, I just gave you the numbers there. The Chiefs have been the league's best team and by a significant margin. But until you can make a legitimate argument that you can compete for your division title, you're not actually a contender. That means maybe you sneak in as a wild card, okay. But contender, I, I think that's the kind of teams that you think can go to the playoffs and win playoff games. And to my mind, you have to be able to at least contend legitimately for your division crown if you're going to be considered that. And the Broncos aren't anywhere I get it. They split with the Chiefs, but they're nowhere near Kansas City. Now, I, I want to go back because I said I'd start to take the Broncos more seriously or seriously again if they broke that losing streak to the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. And during their five-game winning streak, you – had to take them seriously because not a lot of teams, even very good teams, win five games in a row. That's hard to do. Right. Any year, regardless of the strength or perceived weakness of the National Football League, winning five in a row is a good thing. But winning five in a row does not mean you're a playoff contender. Just as losing three or more games in a row doesn't mean you can't make the playoffs. And the 49ers have a losing streak earlier this year of three right doesn't mean that they can't win the super bowl uh, or at least can't no. get there it's... obviously not they're the number one seed in the nfc so the number one seed in the nfc had a three-game losing streak this year and an also ran the very definition of an also ran in the afc had a five-game winning streak mm -hmm. that there's there's the nfl so uh, you you can't take single games even five games as any kind of measuring stick unless you also account for one and five and two and three in the last five games. Or the alternate, you talk about the 49ers, and let's look to the number one seed in the AFC, the Ravens, who are currently on a six-game winning streak, and you can look at that and say, okay, well, let's take that in context. Of course, the context is they've only lost three games, so they've gone – Seven and three. And they could easily pardon me, six have and three won and then, yeah. at least two of those three that they lost. Yes. Right? Have they been pasted they, this they, year they by lost, anybody? They lost in overtime to Indy. Right. In September. Could have won. They lost to Cleveland by two. Should have won. And they, they lost to Pittsburgh 17 to 10 in yeah. Pittsburgh. So they have not lost. They've not been blown out this year. Well, they've only won. They, they've, they've only lost one game by more than a field goal. Well, right. But <laughs> my point it. is every other team in the NFL, has been blown out this year. And by blown out, I mean 
losing a game by 10 points or more. Yeah. Every team, every single team in the NFL, save for one. And that's why Baltimore, for right now, is the best team in the NFL. And they have the luxury of resting Lamar Jackson and probably several other prominent players for their upcoming game uh, this weekend uh, where the point spreads are just Oh, yeah, they're Crazy. out of control. Right. Right. Uh, they're playing Saturday, actually, uh, in what I think is the early Saturday game, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Houston at Indy, which actually is a game of some significance. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two teams played later on Saturday. On uh, on Sunday, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> Cleveland sitting Joe Flacco and Cleveland's resting a lot of folks, given all the injuries they've had this year. That's probably a good idea. But uh, you you go into this final week of the season, and even the two of us, I think, felt at six and five that the Broncos would be mathematically alive going into week eighteen, and they, they are not, not mathematically alive. They have been eliminated, and they were eliminated. Which after standing at six and five, you go two and three, and you say, "Well, eight and eight, you know, you should be mathematically alive." And they were alive. eliminated before. Last week's yeah. game was a final. They were eliminated mm-hmm. before that. They yes. were eliminated with two games remaining. Well, they, they, they were... One and a half it, games yeah. remaining. Uh, you get my with, point. With Pittsburgh winning and Kansas City winning, that that took them out. Yeah. That took them out. And and you have teams uh, in this league that have uh, lost their quarterbacks, uh, yeah. certainly had their ups and downs, and... It, they're they're still alive. Houston lost Stroud briefly for a little bit. Right? Yeah, they're still alive mathematically. Mm-hmm. Indy lost Anthony Richardson for, very early in the yeah. season. They've had Gardner Minshew a quarterback. They are right now a playoff team. They they could there's, lose. I mean, there's and, a three way tie in the AFC South right now. Jacksonville, Indy, and Houston are all right. nine and seven. Yeah, and you know. It, 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 the AFC South is very much up for grabs. And you know what? The AFC South this year, including Tennessee, has been better than the AFC West. As a matter of fact, the AFC West is the only AFC conference in which not only will there be only one team to make it, but every other team is eliminated right now. Yeah. That's every right. other that's right. AFC division, in fact, every other division yes. in the NFL has at least, they don't have as many as three eliminated teams. At least two teams are alive. Yeah. The AFC West at least two. has basically been the worst division in football as a whole, even though you look at the overall record. I get it because there are some bottom feeders in Carolina and Arizona and Washington. But when you're talking about how they compare to the rest of their conference. Hey, the Atlanta Falcons are 7-9 and nine in the NFC. They're still alive. They're still alive. The Atlanta Falcons are still in it. The Seahawks are still in it. The Rams have made it. The Rams, who people thought were walking away with the top 10 pick this year, they're in it. The Saints are in it. Tampa Bay with Baker Mayfield is in it. So, And the, only the AFC West has three eliminated yeah. teams. So the answer to the question, what kind of rebuild are or at least should the Broncos be engaged in right now? And my point in making the observation about how futile 
they've been, how impotent they've been over the past basically seven years, is that it is a bigger rebuild than even some very realistic fans might believe. And here's the part that you pointed out that I think is really fascinating that we'll we'll get into in a couple minutes more in depth, but you can look at Russell Wilson's year with the Denver Broncos and say, disappointing, I didn't like it, that's why Sean Payton benched him, coach football reasons, whatever, anything you want, fine. But Russell Wilson's year is the best of Broncos quarterbacks had in that span. Well, Yes, it's and it's it's, it's not best, even all that close. It's the best year a Bronco quarterback has had since Peyton, Peyton Manning, Manning in 20, threw for four thousand yards in twenty fourteen. It's the best year of any quarterback, including Manning and Osweiler in twenty fifteen. Neither of whom threw for three thousand yards. Nine seasons. This was right. Russell Wilson's job as quarterback by virtually any statistical definition. Even if you're looking at a QBR that showed him barely over average, right? But Touchdowns, touchdown interception ratio, yards, passer rating, passer rating, top the 10. best the Broncos have had in nine complete right. seasons, and he's getting benched. Yes, yes, and the biggest joke of the week comes from people, some fans, some people in our business, who believe somehow that Jarrett Stidham was an upgrade oh my. on Sunday over what Russell Wilson has done all year. And I'm saying, yeah, if you don't count completion percentage, if you don't count passer rating, if you don't count yards per pass, if you don't count competition, uh, quarterback rating, if you don't account for the fact that they were playing the worst defensive team, arguably in the NFL at the present time. Oh, okay. Maybe it was comparable. That doesn't include better, the eye test of missing are receivers. Are you kidding me? By well, completion Seven, percentage. Eight, but, I mean, we're I not mean, talking it, about tiny even, windows. Missing no, no, guys no, by I, a mile. I, I understand. And even some of the completions were not throws that were really on target. Right. I mean, in the NFL, receivers are expected to catch passes. If, if, it, if it's target. within their range of right. reach, you're supposed to get yeah, it. Right. You're supposed to catch it. But 20 for 32 for 224 yards. Against that defense? Against those guys? And that, that includes a 54-yarder, which was the only uh, catch. Beyond, I, I think he called one other pass that little Jordan Humphrey made. Little Jordan Humphrey made all day. Well, he was, he was, he was missed on a couple of and he was missed where he could he have caught them, but wildly missed. Right. But, the, it, again, they did not, if I'm not mistaken, have a 70-yard receiver in this game. Forget about a 100-yard no, receiver. Not. They did not have a receiver who caught 70 yards worth of passes. Humphrey's touchdown was basically a quarter of their yardage, just yep. a little short of yep. a quarter right. of their entire yardage. And remember, that was actually just a little mid-range route that Humphrey just kind of danced around an entire disinterested Chargers defense. And I, it, don't take anything away from Humphrey. I think he made a, an outstanding play. But if you want to credit all that to Stidham, I mean, that's fine. The yards after catch is all on Humphrey. I mean, this was dink and dunk extreme, and, and the QBR shows it. Easton Stick had a QBR that was almost half again better than Stidham's. And Stick was 52.3. Stidham was 31.3. That's abysmal. 50 is average. Russell Wilson last year had a quarterback rating 
below 40, but it wasn't 31 point whatever. He was worse than Wilson was last year. Yes. On Sunday. Against now, again, it was one game. an atrocious but, opponent but with nothing to play for. Sean Payton, who, unless he's talking about Jared Stidham, believes history only began when he started to coach the Denver Broncos and no other history matters. Sean Payton always talks about one of the two games that Stidham started last year for the Raiders, that being the 49er game. Nobody ever mentions that the Raiders lost the game, not that it was Stidham's fault. Uh, he did not play nearly as well in his second start as he did in the first against the 49ers. This is last year. And they lost that game too. <laughs> right? So, yeah, they won last week against a team that has been decimated both by injury and general incompetence throughout the course of the season to date. That's that's who they beat. And, oh, oh yeah, they've been averaging almost 22 points per game. They scored 16 last week. So, I, I mean, if you want to get up and, you know, there's this silly notion this week. And I, I, I know I, I wouldn't want to cover this team on a daily basis and try to come up with stories this week. It, 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 there's no story that has any significance. But they're talking about uh, Jarrett Stidham auditioning. Right. And Jarrett Stidham, I guess, believes that the smart way to go is saying that this is no audition. I have a job to do, and it's down to down, and it's doing the right thing for me. And apparently Jarrett Stidham believes that the right thing to do is not screw up. Well... That, that, that's basically the right way to play is not to screw up. You can throw all the incompletions in the world, all the off-target passes in the world. Just don't throw it to the other team so they can catch it. Does he have a point? Is this really what Sean Payton's offense in 2023 is? We'll talk about it next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Cuff and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy, I did just kind of throw some numbers together during the break because I was I was curious about the, the point you were making. I thought just to compare locally, I, and I get it. Look, uh, in the nature of other sports with larger lengths of seasons, it's very hard to have absolutely nightmarish records. Uh, It's tough, especially in baseball. It's tough. It's tough to be, you know. To do what the Rockies did this year and lose 100 uh, games. It's tough to do. Which even the Rockies had never done before this year. But I literally did go until that weekend. And by the way, uh, well, that was, uh, so sorry, everybody, because what what you specified, that Thanksgiving week of 2016, uh, that was, that that was, those games that weekend were on November 27th. That's my birthday, so maybe it's my fault. But since since November 27, 2016, here are the records and the rankings of the four major pro sports teams in this town. The Nuggets are the third best in the NBA. Now, this is since 2016. 16. 
We're mm-hmm. talking about yeah. a while. Oh, yeah. The Nuggets have a winning percentage of 613, third best in the NBA in that span of time. The Colorado Avalanche, 306, 193, and 55, have a winning percentage of 602. That's ninth in the NHL over that span. And that includes, by the way, if you're going back to 16, 16. that includes the 48-point season uh-huh. in 16 And they're still top 10. And they're still top 10. The Rockies, 476 and 556, including their 100-loss season right. this year, 461 winning percentage, which, by the way, is awful. That's 24th in baseball in that span, which actually is better than you might think, but 24th. But the Broncos. But they did make the playoffs twice. They did. The in Broncos winning percentage, as you pointed it out. Yeah. 375, 28th in the league in that span. They don't and, even and, win four out of and, every and it's 10 fine. Games. You can look at it and say, well, it's it's harder. You can't get 375 winning percentage of baseball. True. Well, that's why I give you the rankings. That's why I give you the rankings. Right. Everybody right. against everybody in their sport. Nuggets, the Rockies third, are one of the Avalanche, 10 worst ninth, teams in baseball. Rockies, 24th. Yeah. Broncos, But not 28. one of the five worst teams. 28th. The Broncos are one of the five worst teams in the NFL. For almost now. And we're, we're talking about, I mean, look at that. 27, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. I'm counting on my fingers. Plus, so well, seven, seven and a half seasons. I, uh, what we're saying, and our friends the on the vast Reed majority of a decade pointed this out on Channel 9 last year. For seven years, 17 through 23, yes, six years. Because th- th- this year, obviously, the Broncos will. Finish with a higher winning percentage than, than the Rockies. Rockies. Yeah. But for six years, 17 through 22, every year the Rockies had a higher winning percentage. And they're terrible. Every year. They're actively bad. And, 17 and through 22. Are. And for all but two of those years, the Rockies are terrible. And they still, yes, in 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, had a better winning percentage than the Broncos had. The Broncos are the worst Team, They're the worst pro sports team in this city and have been for the majority of the decade. seven years. Yeah, the majority of the decade. That's simply the reality here. And in a league, and I, and I, I will say this about the NFL, it has wanted, it's harder to get down to those low numbers, right? The, those 30 set, 375 winning percentage that the Broncos have. That's, Detroit's better than that. that said, Detroit's been helped by Dan Campbell's record sure. over the last roughly year but that said what sport is what sport do we talk about teams going worst to first in baseball no of course not how about basketball or hockey no that's not a thing that doesn't happen in those sports but football Football, it does football only has four teams football because of the nature of its hard cap by the nature of the the size of the divisions it is easier in the nfl with competent management and ownership to get yourself in playoff position with regularity or turn it around in a short time. It is by far the easiest of those sports four sports in which to do that. And the Broncos have consistently failed. Right. Now, there is the story in hockey of the St. Louis Blues, who at roughly this time five years ago had fewer points than any other team in hockey. Right. But if you delve into that, they had fewer points because they played fewer games. Or Montreal in the COVID year going on a rampage. Well, I get it. Yeah. No, but but what I'm saying is that, that it's true. St. Louis had the fewest points in the NHL five years ago at this time and went on to win the Stanley Cup that same year. Mm-hmm. So you could say, well, that's kind of worst to first inside of a year. But there were five teams, I believe, 
who had inferior point percentages than the Blues. Now, the Blues weren't a good team, but they weren't even one of the five worst teams in the league at that point. They just played fewer games, so they had fewer points than anybody else. So even that comes with a little bit of an asterisk on work to – and, you know, Craig Berube, until he got fired recently, had been dining out on, on that stretch of time when the Blues went from the fewest points to the Stanley Cup uh, or – Again, the better part of five years. It, it, right. when, when the Blues weren't very good, uh, at least as a team capable of winning another Stanley Cup, they weren't even close after 2019. Uh, you know, it, 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 the Avalanche knocked them off, what, at least a couple of times. Yeah, two times, playoffs. right. And so <laughs> it's, it's hard to be bad, especially coming off the Super Bowl. Nobody thought the Broncos were going to repeat or the Broncos were going on any kind of run. No, not uh, after, after not 2015. After they were Manning too retired. old. Right. They were too old. And people were leaving and retiring and so on. No one expected them to go on a run. But who could honestly, in February of 2016, they won't be good. gone on any talk show Until the middle of the and 2020s. said for the next Eight years, the Broncos will be one of the five worst teams in the NFL. You would have been laughed out of People the room. People used to get on Mike Shanahan and said, well, Elway did Shanahan's work for him. In the 10 years after John Elway retired, the Broncos had the seventh best regular season record in the NFL. And as Shanahan has often remarked, yes, they only won one playoff game, but that was a hell of a playoff game that they won. They were the first team ever to beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in a postseason game in 2005. That's a good one. The first team ever to do it. Not the Colts. Not the Colts. Not the Steelers. Only the Denver Broncos had, in the middle of the 2000s, the New England Patriots number. Nobody else did. And Bill Belichick, uh, I think, until the Patriots beat the Broncos, had a losing record against one team, and that one team was the Broncos. Yeah. And during his time in New England. During his time time in New England. Not including Cleveland, but during his time in New England. The Broncos lost that when they lost the game. Right. One team had had Belichick's number, you know, beat him out of a couple of AFC championships. The two games here in Denver, mm-hmm. championship games that the Broncos won. The Broncos lost that championship game back uh, in that uh, 05 year to, to ben, Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger. Right. They got notable revenge upon during their 2015 Super Bowl run as one yes, of the three and, and great quarterbacks that they knocked off on the way. Tim Tebow's little run in yes. 2011. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And they beat Roethlisberger Steelers in a, in a playoff game, the famous... Tebow to Demarius Thomas touchdown pass, which remains in the history of the Denver Broncos, one of the five most significant postseason plays. They, yes. The oh. history of the yes. Bronco franchise. Unquestionably. Yes. That's one of the five. And, and it's been always remember. It's been bad, folks. I mean, to, to give you the idea about this, for a good chunk of fans out there, since the 1977 season, which was the Broncos' first playoff appearance ever, where they went to Super Bowl twelve and then were beaten by the Cowboys. But their very first year they made the playoffs, they made the Super Bowl. Right. Since then, 
they have had stretches of three years without the playoffs, one year, one year, one year, one year, two years, one year, two years. Get where I'm at? That brings us up to 2005. Those were the gaps. Now, between that 2005 run with Jake Plummer and Peyton and Tim Tebow getting them to the playoffs with Matt Prater kicking a whole bunch of field goals, that five was a five-year gap. Yep. And now you're at seven. The two and, longest and, and gaps. You're, you're at eight. Yes. Because you're yes. not going to the playoffs. You're not going to the playoffs so, this year. so the two longest playoff droughts since the Denver Broncos first ever made the playoffs in 1977 are the two most recent. The longest is the one they're on right now. It is. And, you know, they say, well, they, they were the worst team in the AFL for 10 years and didn't make the playoffs ever in the American Football League. Well, so that, that, that's a long playoff. But drive. as an NFL team, do you know how long that seven, stretch was? That was seven. only seven years. That was this, only seven this years. This is their NFL longest team. stretch as an NFL right. franchise. Because right. the eighth year was 77. It's eight and counting, folks. And Red Miller became, and the Broncos became, uh, and this will never be duplicated, the first team never to have made the playoffs before and read the first coach to come on and take a team that had never gone to the playoffs, not only take them to the playoffs, take them to the, take Super, them to the Bowl. Super Bowl. And quite frankly, for the Broncos. team that never made the playoffs. Well, now everybody's made the playoffs. The Super Bowl uh, so losses never happening. followed until they won them, the 27-10 loss to the Doomsday Defense. Dallas Cowboys didn't seem so bad. They consistently got worse for a while until they finally well, broke through. Well, that's that's right. And it, it was a reminder to people like Tom Jackson and Louie Wright of how tough it was to get to the Super Bowl because the Broncos thought, and, and I think a majority of the fans thought, and why not, that after 77, yeah, it would be tough to get back the next year maybe or in the next two or three years. Uh, but... You know, they wouldn't have to wait nine years before going back. And that, that was what they had to do. Before, and then they went to three years out of four. They went to Super Bowls and got clocked every time, Worse much every to time. the embarrassment of, of the community here. Although a bunch of AFL teams during that period were getting throttled in Super Bowls. It wasn't just the Broncos. It happened to the Bengals. It happened to the Bills four straight times. You you remember that whole oh, yeah. story. Where, where the Broncos were the ones to finally break the AFC's streak of futility in Super Bowls uh, following the 97 season when they beat the Packers and then, of course, repeated the next year against Atlanta. Well, they're not going to make it to the big game, but no, you they can, and you can win a trip to the biggest football game of the year courtesy of Superbook Sports. Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game and give you two tickets to the game and a three-night hotel stay. Imagine you'd want that, right? Well, let me tell you how to get it. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, so you got to get them in pretty soon, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This game against the Raiders is Jared Stidham's opportunity to at least give himself a leg up on the competition. That is $7 million contract in a year where the Broncos are going to be carrying a lot of dead money. That doesn't hurt. What does he have to do? What could he do for you or Sandy, maybe, to believe that Stidham's the guy we're riding with Jared Stidham? Yeah, I'm 
I'm kidding. We'll talk about what will really happen next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. In his five-year career, I mean, I guess, but you know, you want to play the five-year career. Jared Stidham, who entered the league in 2019 as a fourth-round pick, has played in three games in which he's thrown more than 13 passes. So I, I think when you take a look at his career, you probably have to look at it that way for, for game performances. The first one was, of course, that overtime loss to the 49ers that we saw him have last year with the Raiders, in which he went 23-34 for 365 yards, three touchdowns, two picks, and a QBR of 79.2. The very next week against Kansas City came crashing back down to earth. The QBR was a 70, or pardon me, a 31.1. Uh, both of those games losses, by the way. And this game, the first win of Stidham's career, uh, not only as a guy that's uh, thrown a lot of passes, but as a starter at all, he had a QBR of 31.3. So at what point, and I, I get it, I, I suppose there's always diamonds in the rough, but we're in a guy that the very last game in his fifth season coming up on Sunday, it will be his fourth game ever where presumably he'll throw 20 or more passes. In the previous three games, he is one and two as a starter and has a QBR that, if you were to put all those together, just barely gets nearing 50. And that's if you count that Niners game, of course, with it. And it, it's, it's difficult to kind of break that all down. But there's nothing in his career. Well, look, Matt Flynn had a great game once for the... Uh, Green Bay Packers and parlayed it into a pretty good uh, role with pretty good contract with the Seattle Seahawks until they drafted a fellow named Russell Wilson. Didn't get him. Didn't get him anywhere. Many starts, but it got him a lot of money. There is nothing at this point. Jared Stidham was 27 years old. And and I'm not discounting. I'm not trying to, to poke anything at Stidham whatsoever. But there is nothing, nothing in his history that suggests that he is an NFL starting caliber quarterback. Of course. Nothing. Sean Payton next year has stood him on the books for $7 million. A pretty good chunk of change for even for a, a backup veteran backup. A backup. That's when you're talking about the backups that have had a much more significant career right. than Stidham, a lot of them don't make that much. Sean Payton talked about when he signed Jared Stidham to the two-year $10 million deal that he saw him as a future starter in this league. He said that at the time. He, he thought did. he was a starting caliber future starter in this league. He did. And led many of us to believe, many of us, not all, that he would start at least one game this year. Is, that they would find a way, assuming they didn't take the league by storm, they would find a way to get him at least one start before the season. What makes Peyton right? Because, look, Jared Stidham is going to get the first crack at this job. I guess there's a possibility that, you know, if the Broncos were somehow fortunate enough to draft in, in the first round, let's say a Michael Penix Jr., I get that one of the few guys I think you consider because he is a pocket pastor. But even Peyton's going to say that's a competition for sure. 
So Stidham does have the leg up on this job. Uh, the Broncos aren't getting Dak Prescott. And he has one-year head start on the offense. They're probably not trading for no. Kirk Cousins. Uh, so all, all the names of quarterbacks you know, Broncos fans, that you're thinking, well, who's next to join the Broncos? Um, none of those guys. Because we're also not talking about the dead cap money that's going to be involved with the Wilson move. So is there reason to believe that Sean Payton is right and Jared Stidham is an NFL-caliber starter and nobody has noticed it up until now because it's not as if Including Stidham, Bill Belichick, who had him, who drafted him. Correct. Belichick drafted him. He was, he's been with the Patriots. He's been with the Raiders under Josh McDaniels and Sean Payton. All at least considered to be, at least McDaniels and Payton considered good offensive coaches. Belichick, arguably the best coach in NFL history. At least you can make the argument for it. He hasn't ever worked out. Can Sean Payton be right here, or is just this the idea that he signed a guy that he trusts, he likes, that won't do the stuff he's not supposed to do, and until there's a better option, that works for Sean Payton? I I honestly don't know what works for Sean Payton. Uh, uh, don't I, call I audibles. I can't say that he is incapable of coaching a young quarterback, but I can say... He's never had a young quarterback to develop. So if you're thinking long-term about this coach. That's a, that's a really interesting point. And the acquisition of someone who will be more than simply a stopgap measure at the quarterback position. You're dealing with a coach who by next year will be coaching in his 60s who has never had to develop a young quarterback. Well, he's coaching largely in the 60s now. Because, he turned 60 last week. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I won't count this year. I'll no. say he's coaching this year in his 50s. But he had Drew Brees mm-hmm. for all the years he coached in New Orleans, save for the last one. Right. And the guys he used, other than Taysom Hill, mm-hmm. who nobody uh, inc- uh, takes seriously as a no, quarterback. He's not really a quarterback. Gadget player. No but question. Jameis Winston wasn't some young quarterback they were trying to develop. He was a vet. Right. And he stepped in, and before he got hurt, he actually played pretty well, and that's to Peyton's credit. And Jameis Winston was not considered one of those guys who would pick up a complicated offense quickly, but right. he did well enough. Oh, and expect and to hear his, coached him well enough. His name uh, in the offseason here. But, yes, and expect he's a candidate he is because a candidate. he's worked with Peyton before. Working with Sean he's Peyton a is the best way to work yes. with Sean Peyton. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Ask Will so Jordan Humphrey. If, if you're looking for a possibility next year, a veteran who would come in and perhaps compete with Stidham. Could, a, could Trevor Simeon come back? No. 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 He started He started four I, games. I, yeah. Sean Payton. Yeah, but I, that, that's – he's, he's played for about half the teams in the league <laughs> at one course. time or another. Right. Uh, no. Jameis Winston, I might take a little more seriously. But, again, that's a stopgap guy. And you think of Peyton as this quarterback whisperer. Well, he was that for Drew Brees over an extended period of time. Great. For Drew Brees. Swell. Mm -hmm. But other than Brees, he's never really worked with any quarterback for an extended period of time most particularly a young quarterback. 
right? He just doesn't have and that, that history. That would, by the way, he can't do it. But you include James Winston, yes. In which the time that he was being, the time they needed him to play significant times and snaps, he was already twenty-seven years yeah, old. Yeah, that's that's right. So, it, it, just because he hasn't done it, doesn't mean he can't do it. But if it is true, as I hear virtually every week now on these game telecasts, that Sean Payton's offense is the most complicated in the league, the hardest to learn. Playing for Sean Payton is not a walk in the park. Learning his offense is tough. You're going to put a young quarterback, whether it's Penix or Bo Nix or McCarthy, any one of these young quarterbacks whom the Broncos might draft somewhere, somehow. Uh, I would think they'd draft a quarterback next spring. Yeah, one would think. Which round they do it. Goodness. Probably wouldn't be the first. Could be, but probably won't be. Um, But... Could it be the third through the seventh round that they draft somebody yeah, at the quarterback position? Sure. But that that person would be able to pick up an offense that some have said, other than Breeze, who's exceptionally bright, it, it takes three years to pick up. And, you know, although and, Russell Wilson certainly didn't even have a third of that time right, to make whatever adjustments that he was going to make or wanted to make. You know, this whole thing, with you know, Wilson has to be the villain or Peyton has to be the villain. It was always square peg round hole. It was always square peg round hole. Mm-hmm. You look at Wilson's history, what he likes to do, what he doesn't like to do. Peyton's offensive philosophy, what he likes to do, he doesn't like to do. Uh, I'm hearing all this blather about how they threw um, eight intermediate passes during the game last what? Sunday How and all year long, they had never thrown more than five. Like that's some kind of breakthrough. That's some kind of revelation that the intermediate passing game is back in the Broncos repertoire. Well, and the funny thing is how much does that look? You want to be able to use the whole field, but this goes back to the, the quarterback or the coach idea, right? Russell Wilson in large part due to his size has never really used the middle parts of the field over the course of his entire career, right? That's not new. Pete Carroll managed to find a way to work around that, win a Super Bowl with it, and get to another one that they would have won had he not made the worst coaching decision, arguably, in the history of the NFL. So I get it. Russell Wilson does use the middle part of the field. Uh, Seems like Pete Carroll and his crew could find a way to work around it. Why couldn't Sean Payton as an offensive genius? You you must have a Jared Spidham who's taller and can throw towards the middle of the field? I I guess, you know, we're talking about 10 to 15-yard passes in the air. I you know, yes, this year it was either dumping off behind the line of scrimmage to somebody, um, not often a wide receiver, by the way, and that was the other thing that was pointed out. Well, how, how often did he target wide receivers so much more often than Wilson did uh, during the game on Sunday? And well, Isn't it wonderful that even without Mims and Sutton that he was targeting wide receivers uh, a high percentage of the time? when the Broncos were in the lower quarter of the league or whatever it so was, you're, and you're, you're targeting wide targeting receivers. Targeting wide receivers at a higher rate and using the intermediate. And, right. Uh, you're using the middle no, of the field at a high rate. What I, does that I'm tell saying, you? It means you're calling routes in the middle of the field. Saying, yeah, I, Some of the Broncos I know haven't done were, all year. There were gaps in the passing game with Wilson. I'm not pretending Certainly that it was were. ideal. That there were dump-off passes behind the line of scrimmage and there were bombs. 
and but there wasn't really shock. much in between. Well, it, it, I, I as guess he was younger, he extent, used more of the field. To That's the true. extent it, it was strictly that, I, I suppose, and it led to not so much interceptions, but uh, a lot of running around and fumbling and uh, you know, he lost a lot of fumbles this year. That's mm-hmm. that's true enough. Um, last year, he didn't lose as, nearly as many fumbles because he, he just went down in a heap. And <laughs> and this year, he's sacked a lot. But, again, I go back to where we were at the start of the week, or at least on Tuesday, that we aren't talking about an offense here that has any real strengths. Nope. So I don't want to hear about these little incremental uh, differences, improvements in the intermediate passing game and the percentage of times that wide receivers are being targeted in the passing game. I, I don't want to hear it. It doesn't mean anything. It's like making a big deal if the Broncos win Sunday and go 9-8 and eight instead of 8-9. and nine. Like, that's going to really change the general outlook yeah, let at me, all. Let's, let's break down the offense when you score more than 16. Let's try that. First. Well, the Denver Nuggets have won 10 out of the last 12. They will be one of the big national games tonight on TNT. They face the Warriors in uh, the Bay Area to break all that down and to kind of check in on the Nuggets because we haven't had a chance to talk to in a while is our friend from Miley Sports, Ryan Blackburn. He'll join us next. I do the 